Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created, and you will renew the face of the earth. Lord, by the light of the Holy Spirit, you have taught the hearts of your faithful. In the same spirit, help us to relish what is right and always rejoice in your consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's been a long time since I had the opportunity and the privilege to preach, so I'm going to give you two sermons today. <laughs> First, I want to start with a word of exhortation for you today. That word is expectation. I pray that you have come with expectant hearts and minds today. Jesus presented to his disciples the principles of expectation on many occasions. And the one we probably remember the most is when he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon them. Likewise, I'm saying to you, when we come to church today, any day, come to worship expecting God to show up. Whether it be for spiritual renewal, refreshment, guidance, healing, or something else, we should, be expect, we should expect to be changed by his presence. Coming with expectation is a habit. A habit you should start today. Now that was free. That was included in the price of admission this morning, so... In the next service, we will be baptizing Sela Rogers. She will be baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yes, she will suffer the experience of being disrobed, placed into the hands of a strange man, in more ways than one, plunged under what we hope will be warm water, then... <laughs> Then, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, Selah will be raised to new life. Sadly, this will not be the last instance of suffering in her life to come. However, we pray that it will be the most traumatic suffering ever during her lifetime. Today, we will continue talking about suffering. You'll recall that Father Benji's last several sermons from 1 Peter uh, talked about the Christian suffering. And in these, we learned that Peter was concerned about the early Christians in what is now modern Turkey and how they were interacting with the local culture. Peter exhorted the church to stand firm in their commitment to Christ, even in the reality of persecution and martyrdom. He reminded them that they, as followers of Christ, were to suffer as if suffering with Jesus. In today's epistle reading from 1 Peter 4, Peter reiterates that there will be trials and testings because they and those people then would endorse the name of Christ. Don't be surprised, he said. It might seem to us that Peter saying that they should be happy that they are suffering because they'll be blessed. Of course, that was as long as they 
we're not committing evil and unlawful acts which result in suffering. Then he concludes the chapter by saying that in suffering, according to God's will, they should realize that they have entrusted their souls to a faithful creator. Entrusting their souls to a faithful creator, even in the midst of suffering. Well, you might say, that was then, this is today, this is now. How do we apply the principle of suffering in our lives today? How is our suffering related to suffering with Christ? First, we should be reminded that we're not the first persons to suffer. Suffering has been a reality, of course, since the fall of Adam. You remember Hagar, how she was kicked out into the desert by Abraham. Then in her suffering, God visited her there with promises, promises of a legacy of descendants. She called that place El Roi, the place of God who sees me. We remember Elijah, who hid in a cave because he feared for his life. Of course, we can't forget John the Baptist, who lost his head. Remember the woman who had the blood disease, just wanted to reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. We all have heard that the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh for which he prayed for healing for many times. These and many others, which we have a record, suffered. Yet they overcame because suffering was God's will for their lives. Suffering was God's will for their lives. Suffering in this life is a reality. Why? We are humans. We live in a broken world where suffering is commonplace because of sin, flesh, and the devil. Then why do we as Christians suffer? Because we are a part of that imperfect world and all that goes on in it. Does that make it right? No. Does that make it easy? No. Does it make sense? It would seem not. How then do we maintain our faith and trust in a God who allows such suffering? Of course, we know that we have a sovereign God who loves us beyond our imagination. He is not pleased that as his children we suffer. But we do not know, or but we do know that he will use that suffering for our good and his great glory if we trust and allow him to do so. We have a part in that. We must trust him and allow him to use that suffering. God has given us a way to endure that suffering in this life. It is Jesus, God incarnate. By becoming human in the personhood of Jesus, God shattered all previous conceptions of who he is and who he was and what, he, what we are meant to be. In the life of Jesus, as revealed in the New Testament, we are presented with a God, a supreme being, who was spat upon, scourged, beaten, and who suffered crucifixion. What he went through, we are to go through also. I believe that Peter's words in chapter 2, verse 21 of 1 Peter, can be more broadly applied to us today. That's where he said, 
For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. In Philippians 2, we're told that Jesus suffered outside the gate and humbled himself to death on a cross for our sins and our suffering. We also are to suffer with him. We who have been baptized have been baptized into Jesus' suffering and death as well as into his resurrection. In a quote from George MacDonald's Unspoken Sermons, he said, The Son of God suffered unto death, not that men might not suffer, might not suffer, but their, that their sufferings might be like his, that their sufferings might be like his, Jesus's. It is in Jesus that we see how much God cares about our suffering. At the grave of Lazarus, you will recall, Jesus cried when he saw the grief of Mary and Martha. Jesus didn't tell them to stop crying. He cried with them. You see, God cares. Jesus cares. He knows that someday he will eliminate suffering, of course. But our suffering will continue until the day of restoration. The restoration of all creation to perfection. Meanwhile, God grieves with us, for us, and for his broken world. God cares about all suffering, big or small. Jesus cares about the minor issues we face as well as the major ones. Jesus majors in as much in trivial matters as he does in the most complicated. He cares as much about that person who has a hangnail as he does about the person who has terminal cancer. He is deeply concerned about your situation and mine. Whether it be the death of a spouse, the birth of a special needs child, a divorce, failing out of college, loss of job, suicide of a friend, an invalid relative, broken relationships, depression, we could go on and on and on, but you know within your own life the circumstance where your suffering lies. He cares about your suffering as much as he does anyone else's suffering. God is no respecter of persons. He cares about the details of our lives. I make this point because there are those who have said that as a priest, I have greater access to God's healing. Not true. It is my current experience of having been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and having to go through the pain and suffering caused by not only the cancer, 
but the chemotherapy and radiation treatments, my grief and sense of loss, they're no different than those of anybody else's. There have been times where I felt that God was going to completely heal me. Then the test results say no. We've prayed for the possibility of surgery. That's a no. Yes, I sense disappointment and frustration just as everyone else does. In my journal, I've recorded conversations with Jesus, questions such as, why, when, why not, why me, and other self-centered musings. I have hopes and dreams of a cure just like you. I pray for complete restoration. I wrestle with not being able to accomplish all things physical as I had been accustomed to. I grieve when I see Sarah disappointed in test results. I grieve when I see her sad that I can't work in the yard or in my shop the way I was accustomed to doing. I'm deeply saddened that I can't serve in my priestly roles I had previously done. So how do I deal with it? I have to intentionally pray prayers like, please cheer me up, Jesus. I need your Holy Spirit today. I need strength and stamina. Please put into my heart and mind the things that you want me to say to others today to encourage them. I love you, Jesus, and I need you every hour. I depend on your loving touch and constant presence. Thank you, Jesus. I try to immerse myself in godly praise and trust, like found in Psalm 108. It says, My heart is satisfied, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great above the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. And I have hope and trust, just as Job did, where he said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold not another. I believe in the promises of Scripture. James 1 2 through 4 and verse 12 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast in under trial. For when he has stood the test, 
he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Not only does God care for and empathize with us in our suffering, but he can also bring good out of it. God is the master of redeeming bad situations. Those are just some of the ways I try to look at suffering. Deal with it. How will you deal with your suffering? How do you deal with your suffering? One way that God often shows us that he is present during our suffering is through other people. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. I've always said that I want God to be glorified in all that occurs in my life due to this illness. And that I want people to see what an awesome God it is who sees us in all of our troubles. I have no desire for this to be about me. But I do welcome God using me to demonstrate his great love and sovereign care for us. I have many examples of communications to me from people who have affirmed that this is what is happening as a result of my situation. I will include excerpts from just one. A lady from our church here writes in a card to me. Dear Father David and Sarah, thank you for choosing to model faith and trust in the trials God entrusted to you. You are giving us all a reference point that will both challenge and serve us well when our own trials and sufferings come. Thank you for your honesty, for your sharing your fears and uh, tears with us, but ultimately for leaning into him whatever his way forward proves to be. You are giving us a priceless gift through the realities of your faith walk. I've received many comments of thanks and appreciation, encouragement, and prayers from all over this country and even abroad. But I tell you, I want you to hear this. It's not about me. It's about God and what he is doing to encourage and strengthen the faith of his people through me. It's about the building up of his kingdom where his people are growing in their faith and understanding of God's great love for them. In times of deep personal pain, those who have gone through similar experience can offer empathy in the moment and hope for the future. These are often the best source of comfort. God knows exactly when to bring those people into your life and to remind you to whom you should reach out. If you've experienced the pain of 
depression, struggled with infertility, or battled addiction, you know that talking with someone who has been there helps you feel heard and not alone. Even a stranger who has walked in the path before you can offer something that a friend who is sympathetic but has no experience cannot do. No matter how bad a situation is, God can still bring good of it. Sometimes suffering is our sacrifice to Jesus. Jesus calls us, his followers, to be willing to sacrifice everything in our lives. Concern for eternal things, the things of God, puts everything into a different perspective. Jesus made this very clear. In Luke 9, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. For some Christians, that has meant willing, being willing to literally die for their beliefs. At the very least, this call of Jesus will look like holding more loosely onto your possessions, ambitions, and lifestyle because God's agenda becomes your agenda. Following Jesus is not easy or comfortable, but it is worthwhile because the suffering we experience in this life is nothing compared to the joys of spending eternity with God. You will recall from our reading today that Peter reminded the early Christians that when they followed Jesus, they would have many difficulties, but they should also rejoice and be glad. Jesus said in John 16, suffering is inevitable. And he said that, how do we, how, he said, ask, how do we retain the hope and the need to persevere? His words were, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus has changed reality for everyone who will trust in him. Do you feel like your suffering will never end or that you are suffering alone? Please don't. Jesus is himself the source of hope that you need to persevere through the hardest things in life. The Apostle Paul told us in excerpts from Romans 8, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we await eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him, gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right of hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, that means in our suffering too. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Can you say nothing? Nothing. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Now, Paul ended up in Colossians. He said, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to the saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this ministry, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, Jesus, the King of kings, the hope of glory. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching, scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne it will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus, the King of kings, has overcome sin, death, destruction, and suffering. Amen.